0: Good to see you all here tonight. Glad you made it out. We're going uh, to get right to it here in a moment. It's good to be back here in South Africa. Good to be here in Durban again. We uh, always enjoy coming over and actually trying to work it out where we can actually stay longer. And uh, we had, Last year we had our first, tris- or first semester, I guess, of the Bible school. And actually, looking at trying to possibly bring it over here and be here for, uh, well, we'd actually have to be here for at least three months at a time to do it. But uh, we're looking at putting all that together. So, we uh, have been seeing God do some amazing things. And we're just here to kind of share some of the things we've seen. But also, we want to get into the Word tonight. So, if you have your Bibles, and just may sound a little disjointed it's, it's not it's all together it's Bible so it all fits together anyway but um, a couple of things I do want to mention to you one thing I shared a little bit about this morning uh, over Southside but I wanted to, to maybe develop it a little bit more tonight because there's aspects that the church needs to realize that we have to grow we have to grow amen so we have to be able to to grow into who and, and when we get born again God makes us who he wants us to be we're made that but in our understanding we have to grow into it so that we can live it out more and so that Christ is seen more through our lives and so one of the things that I'm, it amazes me as we talk about the new covenant new creation realities as some would say that in the new covenant well under the old covenant there were things that you had to do. If you wanted to be right with God, you had to do certain things certain ways. And if you didn't do them, you weren't right with God. Under the new covenant, we are made right with God. So we start right. Under the old covenant, they were always trying to get right. Under the new covenant, we're made right from the beginning. And under this new covenant, there is the the difference is, and I guess the main th- the point, you know, to kind of give you the, 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 I don't know, I wouldn't call it the title, but to give you the, the punchline, so to speak, is really very simple. If you really want to know what is in a person, if you want to know what a person's heart is, it's real simple. Just take away all restrictions. If you take away all restrictions, you'll find out what, what their heart is. Because then they'll do what they really want to do, and you'll find out who they really are. And that's pretty much what Jesus did, basically, in, in being able to show people their hearts. Because under the Old Covenant, you had all of these rules and regulations and do it this way and do it that way. And Jesus really just came along and said, I just love God and love your fellow man. He said, if you do that, you'll fulfill all the prophets. You you won't violate any of the laws. He said, you will live it out. And he said, and then they said, well, how do we do that? And they were all upset sometimes over him as he went about and just did that he just loved God and went about loving his fellow man and unfortunately he loved him on the wrong day sometimes and religious people would get mad because it didn't fit in their rules but he wasn't breaking God's rules he was breaking man's rules and many times when you break man's rules then that puts you out of favor with quote unquote the church but it doesn't put you out of favor with God and that's what the people didn't understand about Jesus. Now, and and you know, we talk a lot about various areas of, of faith, and, and there's just so much that you can preach about. I mean, it, you could just you know preach forever. And I'm not going to. So don't worry. Okay, just <laughs> my reputation precedes me sometimes. So, um, but. You look at all the things you can say, and this thing, and that thing, and you know I've gotten a hold of some different uh, material or uh, catalogs for some ministries, and there'll be thirty pages, small type, this session, that session, and I've got a lot myself, so I'm not blasting that. I'm just saying you could preach on different topics the rest of your life, and hopefully keep it accurate. But at some point we have to realize that this stuff is very simple, and we've made it hard. You know, and matter of fact, when I get back to the states, we're we're doing some recording, and I, I'm going to be doing a series called Divine Vocabulary, because there are just words that people just don't know what they mean. And if you go to church, you hear that word, and you may have one definition; it may not even be the real definition. And you hear words like righteousness, you know, words you really only hear usually in church. And if you only hear it on Sunday, sometimes. You don't always run home and grab a dictionary and find out what it means. And you try to figure it out as they're talking about it. And so we're going to talk about words like righteousness, faith, grace, what they mean. You know, and really, the, the whole key with, with grace is very simple. Grace is, and if you have uh, like an auto insurance uh, you know, policy, and you miss your payment, then you have a grace period. Right? Well, that means you're still covered even though, technically, legally, you shouldn't be. And really, all it means is, that's time you have, the, the grace period, there's a certain time there, right? To get your payment in. Really, with grace with God, it's not about getting your payment in, it's time to get right. It's, it's not a matter of, of time to live any way you want, and do anything, and, and it's okay. It's just time to get right. In other words, God is not repaying you instantly for what you deserve right? It all holds off. Now, <clears throat> that's not my message tonight, it's just, but I wanted to emphasize this, because there's a lot of stuff out there. And just like with Paul, and just like with others, there's extremes, which was never meant to be, but there's the truth of the Word of God. And so there's certain things that we want to go over tonight, and the first one I want to take you to very quickly is Ephesians chapter 5. we just, and, and again, when I say quickly, I mean we're going to go through this quick. So... Uh, you're going to hit a couple of these verses and then I want to get you into this other four things, four points, I guess you want to call it, that we want to move into. And, let me wait, look at my time. I guess I to take that off so I can see what time it is. So, Oh, there's a white clock back there. Okay, good. Is it working? Okay, the one this morning didn't work. I, pe- I think I preached two hours and it didn't cost me any time. It was great. So, <laughs> so. <laughs> now... In Ephesians chapter 5 We're going to start in verse I think 14 Yeah Start in verse 14 Of course the Apostle Paul Is writing to the Ephesian church Which was a pretty amazing church Paul got into some Good New creation realities What Christ had done And was doing in the church So he was able to go into some things You know with the Corinthians He didn't really get to go into a lot of details He had to correct some things And he did that with the Romans, he got very theological and went in point by point. I mean, he really got into some what people would call deep stuff. But he says here in verse 14, Ephesians 5 14, Wherefore he saith, Awake thou that sleepest. Now notice he didn't say, I'm going to wake you up. He said, You awake. Wake yourself up. Right? Responsibility. Wake yourself up. If you're asleep, wake yourself up. Right? Okay, that just blew a whole big old hole in the theological ozone layer there. All right. He said, Arise from the dead, and Christ shall give thee light. See then that you walk circumspectly. Right? That means correctly, not like the world. But it says, Not as fools, but as wise. So he's telling you, walk like a wise person. What does that mean? That means you've got a choice to make. Right? You choose how you walk. But, you know, we're just going to flow with the Spirit. Yeah, and the Spirit's walking circumspectly. You get that? The Spirit's going to walk right. Okay? Now, <clears throat> verse 16. Redeeming the time, because the days are evil. Wherefore be ye not unwise. Okay, and that's a polite way of saying, don't be stupid. <laughs> right. He says, but understanding what the will of the Lord is. And yet, honestly, I travel around the world and I, most of the places I go, I could ask people, well, what is the will of the Lord? People, I don't know. I'm trying to find the will of the Lord for my life. I'm trying to, it's amazing. And yet, right here he tells us, know it. You're supposed to know God's will. I, and I, I didn't, well, I want to be careful how I say this, so I will make sure I get it right. Recently at the Bible school, I did a course called God's Master Plan, and it talks about the plan of God from, the, from before foundation of the earth until the consummation of all things. And it just goes through, and it's amazingly simple, and yet, without being specific, telling this person to go here and do that and take this job and move to this street in this city, it's amazing the reports we're getting back from people saying, I got a hold of that, I listened to it, and I found the will of God for my life. And now I'm doing it and I'm walking in God's will. Right? And it's amazing because it's very general. But it, it's, it just allows you to see what God's plan is. Right? I'm not trying to sell the thing. All right? I'm just telling you. But you've got to know what God's will is. It is a command to know the will of God. Do you see that? In the Greek tense that would be called the imperative. It's a command. right? Now, he says, now watch this, verse 18. And be not drunk with wine wherein is excess... But, be filled with the Spirit. Right? So, he said, don't go get drunk with wine, but be filled with the Spirit. Now, people's definition of being filled with the Spirit in the Christian community varies greatly. Alright? I mean, again, there are ditches on both sides and the road is wide. Alright? But, Paul doesn't leave us to guess what it means to be filled with the Spirit. He tells us in the next verse. And he tells us how to be filled with the Spirit. He says, speaking to yourselves in psalms, and hymns, spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord. If you do that, you will be filled with the Spirit. That's real simple. Isn't that easy? You notice it doesn't say fast. Pray. I'm not against fasting and praying, but I'm saying it doesn't take to do these things until you reach a point where you get out of your mind and you get into some type of ecstatic thing. Which again, there's times and places for it. But Paul is extremely practical. If if Jesus acted the way many Christians today act when they are supposedly filled with the Spirit, he wouldn't have got anything done. You know how I know that? Because most Christians aren't getting anything done. He would have been content to sit at his Father's feet as we say we sit at Jesus' feet. He would have been content to just sit there and soak in the presence of God. Okay, is there anything wrong with soaking in the presence of God? Not as long as that's not all you do. Right? Jesus used to go off in the mornings early before sunrise. And spend time with his father in prayer. But then, usually shortly after sunrise, he would come back and minister to the people. Remember what we said, and again, Christians are notorious for taking condemnation. I mean, they're so quick to be condemned. You know, if you say something, you say ten good positive things and one thing that could be possibly misconstrued as negative, they'll take the negative. You know, and then they'll think you're talking right to them. You know, somebody somebody talked to the preacher about me. No. I don't know any of you really. Don't know what's going on with you. That kind of stuff. But I can tell you this. When I first started, one of the statements that I made was that if you want to know somebody's heart, take off all restrictions. The heart of the Christian, filled with the Spirit of God, is the redemption of the world. Do you understand that? If you have the Spirit of God, it, here in a moment we'll probably see it anyway. We're going to be over in Philippians. Yeah, matter of fact, you can go ahead and go to Philippians chapter 1, which is just the next book over, so it's easy with not a lot of turning. Philippians chapter 1. And we're going to start, uh, let's see, about verse, let's go to 13. And what you're going to see here in just a minute is a statement that Paul makes and I want to get this across this very this thing I want to drive home tonight you know there's a saying out there I've heard it said it's very good it says what you are your character is who you are when nobody's looking your, your character your basic nature is how you act when you think you could get away with anything right because that's the restrictions are off you think nobody's watching you you know and it's and your character you know if i said if there was you know a million rand sitting in there on a table nobody was in there watching it was just sitting there you know do you think that you might possibly contemplate trying to go steal it you say well of course not you know why it's too big people would miss it but if somebody left five rand on the table as a tip at a restaurant and you walk by, do you think you could slip in your pocket and nobody noticed? Not a big deal. So sometimes your character is shown more in the little things you don't do rather than the big things. Right? Jesus said, Love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, mind, soul, and strength, and your neighbor as yourself. Okay, Jesus, how do we love our neighbor as ourself? Well, you do to them what you would have done to you. You treat people the way you want to be treated. Only difference is if you are connected with God and if you have the Spirit of God in you, now you have an added power to do things that you couldn't do before. So now when you would do to others as you would have done unto you, it is as if God is doing them to them. Which means if you see someone sick, you can minister to them. If you see someone needing something, you can minister to them whatever their need is because now you're limitless because of the power of God that lives in you. Now, as I said in the beginning, The church has to grow up. And many times, babyhood in Christ can be seen by the type of problems you focus on. If your problems, if your biggest problem is how you're going to pay your mortgage, then you're pretty, and I understand, I'm not trying to be mean or anything about this, but hopefully, before a doctor can fix you, he has to diagnose you. Right? And you don't want a doctor that doesn't tell you what's going on. So before I cut a cancer out of you, I want to let you know that the cancer is there. Amen? And the only way I can do that is to cause you to see yourself where you are. Now, if you're in Christ and you're moving on, that's wonderful. But if your whole life is wrapped up in getting your needs met... If your whole worship is trying to do something with you and not and you haven't taken on any responsibility for the world around you, then really you would say that your Christianity is selfish, which is an oxymoron. Right? So at some point, we have to be a people that have the spirit of God that is not just looking at ourselves. But looking out at the world. See the difference is, and I, I've, I've discussed this with people before about it individually. And I said, you know, the difference. They say you know, they say you're always talking about having to lay hands and go and doing this and doing that. You're always talking about that stuff, you know. And and they try to diagnose me. You know, they try to say, well, you, you know, you're a performance-based person. You you know, you had issues from a child with trying to live up to. It. And I'm like. You have no idea of my issues as a child. Right? And number two, I don't have remembrance of really most of those things because that's not me anymore. I've died to that. It's not a performance issue. It's not that you have to lay hands on the sick. It's not that you have to feed the hungry. It's not that you have to clothe the naked. If you do that, Let me tell you, if that is your idea of Christianity, that you have to do those things, you're still under the Old Covenant. You're trying to live up to something. You're trying to attain God's favor by doing things. See, the beauty of the New Covenant is, we get to do these things. So, And the difference is, when the Spirit of God lives in you, He puts the desire in you to do those things. So really it's not a matter of you, tr- you having to do them. Really what it comes down to is a diagnosis. If you desire to do the things of God and you- if you desire to share with people your freedom that Christ has, has paid His blood to buy, then that proves that you have the Spirit of God and that Spirit of God is working through you, the same Spirit that was in Christ that would cause Christ to lay down His life and to give his life for other people even people that didn't deserve it and and I'm not trying to get you to go do something because if I tell you to go do it and you go do it I really don't know your heart if I tell you if you want to be right with God you've got to lay hands on five, sick people every day if you want to be right with God you've got to feed at least two families every day well you could go do those things it doesn't tell me you're right with God all that means is now you're right in my eyes if that's the standard I set. You understand? The difference is, it's not what you have to do. It's what you get to do. And the difference is not in what you have to do to maintain rightness. The difference is now you desire to do it. And the problem is, if you don't desire it, it's not that I'm putting you down or, going to, or that I would put you down. I would just say exactly what Paul said. Examine yourself to see whether you'd be in the faith. Because if you don't have a desire of these things... Let me read this. Because some of you look at me like, I don't know about that. Let me let me read it to you. In Philippians chapter 1, verse 13. Yeah, 13. Paul, writing to the Philippians, says, So that my bonds in Christ are manifest in all the palace and in all other places. So in other words, he's saying, everybody knows I'm in prison. Everybody knows I'm in chains. All right. Now, how would you like it if your pastor, spiritual leader, person you followed, whatever it is, you know, whatever, have you want to look at it, if the one thing that was very well known about him is he was in prison. Right? Probably not going to be, you know, the best respectable person. Right? You say, well, that would depend on what they're there for. You know, well, yeah, but you got to remember, back then, Christianity wasn't the religion of the empire. It was looked upon, it wasn't even looked good by the Jewish religion. It was looked down upon as a sect, as a a cult, as we would call it. So it wasn't a good thing. And he said, in verse 14, And many of the brethren in the Lord, waxing confident by my bonds, in other words, I'm in prison but I'm not dead yet, so they're getting pretty bold, right? are much more bold to speak the word without fear. Some indeed preach Christ even of envy and strife. And some also of good will. The one preach Christ of contention, not sincerely, supposing to add affliction to my bonds. But the other of love, knowing that I am set for the defense of the gospel. What then? Notwithstanding every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is preached. And I therefore do rejoice, yea, and will rejoice. In other words, they want to make fun, they want to preach Christ out of envy, or because they think they can get somewhere with it, fine, I don't care. It's good, Christ is getting preached. They don't even realize God is using them. And he says, for I know, now watch this, that that, that this shall turn to my salvation through your prayer and the supply of the Spirit of Jesus Christ. He said, this, I know that this situation and them preaching and me in jail, I know all this is going to turn to my salvation. And you think, oh, that means Paul knows he's going to get out of jail and it'll be good. But watch what he says. He says, according to my earnest expectation and my hope, that in nothing I shall be ashamed. But that with all boldness, as always, so now also Christ shall be magnified in my body. In other words, this is going to turn to glorify Christ. Now watch this. Whether it be by life or by death. Now he was talking about salvation. Now he's talking, he said, it's not. I don't care if I live or die in this prison. I don't care if they kill me or not. It's going to glorify God. It's going to glorify Christ. Right? But if there he says it's going to turn to my salvation. Well, we would think he's talking about being free. And you can see Paul going through this. Almost like it's a back and forth thing. Because watch. Then he says, for to me to live is Christ. And to die is gain. Now, most people live, according to what Paul wrote to the Hebrews, most people live their life in fear, in, in bondage to fear of death all their life. Now, if this may sound strange coming from a, what's generally I'm classified as a healing evangelist or, you know, the healing guy. But I can tell you, until you're not afraid of death, your life probably isn't worth living. Do you understand that? Because you'll always worry about what people think, always worry about what people will say, always worry about this, always worry about that. You're always in bondage to fear of death. And I hear so many Christians that are so afraid to die, and they don't. It's as if they don't even believe in what the very basics of the church teach. That. To die is a step across the other side and it's as easy as taking a breath and you're there. And there is no sting of death for the Christian. Now, we don't know that because we hadn't crossed over and it bothers us because we're losing a loved one. And so it hurts us. But we ought to be the people, if we know they're saved and know they're going to, We should be rejoicing. Now, I'm not saying if they're dying, you know, you don't pray for them. Alright? Alright, you're dying. Go ahead. No, I'm not saying that. But I'm saying we shouldn't have a fear of death. Amen. Because as long as you have a fear of death, there's a lot of things you won't do. There are people you won't pray for. Because you'll be afraid you'll catch what they got. Right? So you need that that freedom from that bondage. The other, one way you can know that you are in the New Covenant, it's very simple. The key, the, the main characteristic of the New Covenant is the fact that it purges your conscience of sin. If you are always remembering who you used to be, you're probably not in the New Covenant. Literally. Because the New Covenant sets you free. Set you free of your past. Set you free of who you used to be. You know, and, and I know people who claim to be Christian, but all they ever do is, really, they, they call it giving testimony, but really all it is is they glorify the devil for about 45 minutes, and then, and then I got saved, thank you Jesus, and sit down. And they're not glorifying God. And they end up dwelling on who they used to be. And that's all they talk about. Oh yeah, I was bad. I was just... And really what they're doing is they're glorying in it. And it's kind of a sideways glory. You know what I'm talking about? They try to act humble. Oh yeah, God saved me because I was really bad. And somebody goes, well I was pretty bad. No, I was worse than you. See? And, and they're getting glory by having been worse. Right? Which means they hadn't died because they're still... Arguing now over who's greater at being bad. Right? The new covenant is so freeing. Knowing that you're a new creation and that you don't have a past. See, that's that's the essence of this new covenant. And so when we see this here in Philippians, and watch what he says in going down it says in verse 21 for me to live is Christ and die is gain he says in verse 22 but if I live in the flesh this is the fruit of my labor yet what I shall choose I know not what do you mean what you're going to choose Paul you're chained between Roman guards and you know Nero is deciding I guess with Nero i trying to remember the lineage <laughs> there but Caesar was going to determine his fate and he said no, I don't know I don't know what I'm going to do yet. I could live, I could die, I don't care. I don't know, I'll figure it out. Watch what he says. For I'm in a strait betwixt two, having a desire to depart. You hear what his heart was? He wanted to go. He didn't want to stay on this earth anymore. He said, I've got a desire to go. I want to leave, I want to go spend, you know, I want to go see Jesus face to face, I want to be with Him. He says, and to be, and to be with Christ, which is far better, nevertheless to abide in the flesh is more needful for you see he had laid down his own life to the point where he said man I'd, I'd much rather just go but you need me so ok they won't kill me I'll stick around a while and if you do any history research at this point right after this he was released from prison and went did some more trips and mission trips and wrote some more you know, epistles and then whenever he was ready he gave him, basically gave up his life for some reason the church we ought to be producing martyrs left and right and the church historically has to a large degree but because we have this idea which is really nothing more than a religious humanism that everything's about us you know everything is man centered and this thing the gospel should never be man centered now we are are the beneficiaries of it obviously We've got to be Christ-centered. This is about Jesus. It is about His kingdom. It is about advancing His kingdom. It is about glorifying Him and what He did. Right? He didn't hang on the cross, you know, for necessarily physical blessing. You understand what I mean by that? If you go through and you read Galatians and all that stuff, it's amazing. He goes on and on about the essence of why Jesus came was just so that He could give us the Spirit. You know, and yet that's In the early days of Pentecost, that was the big deal. And in the latter years now, it's been more about physical blessings. And we've gone back to the blessings of Abraham rather than recognizing the blessings of Christ. That we have that Spirit. God promised Abraham the Spirit. And then Jesus said, Abraham would have loved to see my day, he would have loved to see this day. He would have loved to have been there on the day of Pentecost and seen the fulfillment of God's promise to him of the reception of the Spirit. That the Spirit of the living God can abide in human vessels. See, we, we really... Steve Camp had a song years ago called Playing Marbles with Diamonds. And that's the way we've become. We, we've, we've nullified the necessity of the spirit of God and we've gotten caught up like little children with the things that sparkle and the things physical that go oh ah yeah what do you need physical things yeah do you need to eat every now and then right maybe not as much as we do (laughs) but every now and then do we need a place to live technically yeah I guess you know Paul said that they had no certain dwelling so you don't have to I don't guess but it does make it more convenient so there's a lot of things you do need but the idea is that if you don't think about that it's, it's kind of like again going back I have a military background and in the military they take care of you. Now you may not have the best may not be fancy but they take care of you. They make sure you eat they make sure you eat a balanced meal a nutritional meal and they make sure you have the equipment the clothing that you need the place to live, a place to stay. They make sure all your medical is taken care of. They make you have physicals to make sure your medical is up to date and they want to make sure you're doing okay. You know, and, and one of the things they check the most is your feet. You know, They're always checking your feet because you know your feet get wet and it'll cripple you that quick if you're out in the middle of the field and you have feet problems then you're no good as a soldier. And so, if the military... You know why they take such, I say good care of you, you know why they take care of all your needs? It's because they don't want you to have to think about that stuff. They want you thinking about military stuff. They want you to think about strategy and tactics and getting your job done, not about having to make sure your bills are paid and the electricity's on and, you know, did we buy food or is there food available? isn't that what Jesus said? Take no thought about tomorrow. Don't worry about what you'll eat don't worry about where you sleep. don't worry about what you wear if God takes care of the lilies in the field he'll take care of you why? don't worry about that stuff kingdom stuff he said all the pagans think about those things why? because they have to because they don't have a good God watching over do you understand? and he said but you should not be that way you inherit the kingdom you walk in the kingdom you preach the gospel of the kingdom why? He, he didn't want you to have to worry about these things because he wants you concerned and dealing with kingdom things and he was just so full of faith I'm talking about the Father, Son, the Holy Ghost they're so full of faith in you that they think you know if we take care of all their basic needs and stuff then, and we give them the opportunity to do what's in them they will want to advance the kingdom they will want to lay hands on the sick. They won't. They won't feel like it's a duty. I got to. I got to do it. I got to do it to stay in good standing, you know, with God. No, you get to. Why? Because that's what's in you. Now, let me let me show you. Let me. Go back into here where we were. He said. <clears throat> where are we at here? Yep. I was wanting to go back to that, but in go on. Actually, we finished there. I want you to go on over to chapter 2. Yep, might as well go to. Well, you know, it's all good, so, but for the sake of time, we're going to skip down to verse 9. Wherefore, God also hath highly exalted him. Talking about Jesus. And given him a name which is above every name. That at the name of Jesus every knee should bow of things in heaven, and things in earth, and things under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Wherefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, not as in my presence only. In other words, you don't just do this when I'm there, you do it all the time. And now he tells them why. But now much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Watch. For it is God which worketh in you both to will and to do of His good pleasure. See, that desire in you. In the church, we have two extremes. We have people that feel like they have to do things. And then we have, on the other hand, you know, it's, it's kind of like that group feels like they have to do it and they don't want to. And then you've got the other group that says, I want to do these things, but I've either been told I can't do it, or I'm not good enough to do it, or I need something more to do it, or something, and you know, there's something that keeps me from doing it. So you've got one group that feels like they got to and don't want to, and you've got the other group that wants to but don't feel like they can. And Paul is writing to them and saying, Listen, you've obeyed. You know what I'm going through. you stuck with me. Because you have to remember, over in 419 is where he says, you know, my God shall supply all my needs according, you know, in Christ Jesus according to his riches and glory. He was talking to Philippians. He said, you know, you, you guys have stuck with me sacrificially. You have given, you've done what you needed to do. He was bragging on them. And here he tells them, I want you to know. He said, you think. Because isn't that what you do? Oh God, I want to do something. And then people say, oh, you're just full of pride. You just want to be somebody. You just want to be seen. And Paul says, listen, that's God in you making you to want to do that. That is is proof. The fact that you desire to do this is proof that you have the Spirit of God. See, the Spirit of God, we talked a little bit about this this morning. The early days of Pentecost were so drastically different. Because back then, as many of you know with John G. Lake Ministries, Dr. Lake, he received the baptism of the Spirit in October of 1907. By May 1st, actually May 14th, he landed in Cape Town. Six months. Six. Now, he'd been a Christian many years, but he gets baptized in the Holy Spirit. And in six months, he's a missionary to a foreign country, comes over with a wife, seven children... No support, no guarantee of support, nothing. Actually, there was a total of 12 people that came with him, and he was pretty much responsible for them. Now imagine that. Now see, there has to be something in a person, above and beyond what's normal, to make a person get on a boat, travel for six weeks, running out of money before they even get off the boat. And yet they have such a desire to do the things of God that it urges them, constrains them, compels them to go to a foreign country. And he ends up burying his wife here after six months. Here's six months. They arrive in May. By December 22nd, she's dead. This man is left with seven children. A dead wife that they bury there in Bramfontein Cemetery. There in in, uh, Joburg. Buries her, And what does he do? Does he pack up and go, well, this wasn't God. Let's go home. No, he stays four and a half more years. And helps birth the most longest lasting revival Africa has ever seen. That's the baptism of the Holy Ghost. That's what it does. It, when Jesus said, I will baptize you with the Holy Ghost, he said, I'll baptize you with the Holy Ghost and fire. I'll give you a zeal. I'll give you a desire. I'll give you something in you that burns in you that you cannot put out. See, all this time that you've had this desire to do something, some of you don't even know what it was. I can, you want to know what it is? It's very simple. It's the Bible. The baptism of the Holy Ghost gives you the desire to do the things of God. That desire in you, and I'm telling you, when you have the baptism of the Holy Ghost, many people have fillings. They have measures of the Spirit. Many people get born again. When you get born again, you get enough to handle everything you need in your life. And by faith, you can even help other people. But when you get baptized in the Holy Ghost, you are given ability. Acts 1.8 says, But you shall receive miraculous ability. Dunamis. After that, the Holy Ghost has come upon you. And you will be Witnesses. He didn't say. Even He didn't say, and you'll be happy, and you'll be joyful, and you'll be prosperous. Now, will you be those things? Yes. But that comes with Christ living in you. But when you get the baptism of the Holy Ghost, you get a fire. You get a desire to do the things of God. And honestly, and listen, I hope you know my heart. My heart is for you. I, I just had a I got a brand new granddaughter. She's six weeks old. All right, beautiful little girl. I have spent not a lot of time with her. I actually moved them next door. They live right next door to me now. All right. I could be there right now, playing with my new granddaughter. And the whole time I was there, as soon as they got moved up there, pretty much that's what I do. I walk around with her in my arms, playing with her, and just loving her. I could be there right now. The bad part is when they're first born like that. By the time I get back, she's gonna be bigger. This is a time of rapid growth. I am missing three, full weeks, 25, six days, something like that, of that first couple of months of her life to be here for you. Do you understand? Okay, what that says is, I love you. That's why I'm sharing this. I would never say anything to hurt you in any way. And that's why I spend a lot of time explaining stuff instead of just throwing it out there. Because I want you to know, if I say something, it is to help, it is to lift up, it is to encourage. The scriptures even tell us, um, yeah, even over in uh, Hebrews chapter 10, which would be, should be the next place we go, that we are to gather together, to not forsake the assembling of ourselves together. Whether it's in a church building, in a home, in a restaurant, the idea is the, first, is the assembling It's not where. It's the assembling together. Why? It says so that we can provoke one another unto good works. And it says you should do it even more often as the days go on because things get worse and worse. And so we need the time together to provoke unto good works. That word provoke, it doesn't say encourage. It doesn't even say exhort. It says provoke. Provoke is a strong word and means to make mad if necessary. Right? Now, I'm, I'm not here to hurt you, but if I have to make you mad to get you to go do it, I'll do it. Amen? But you know why? It's because whenever you were lost, someone laid down their life enough and, and stopped thinking about themselves enough to care enough to share the gospel with you and because of that now see when you were out there it was all about you but now you get saved and I got news for you it's like God is a great military recruiter you ever see a military recruiter oh yeah man we'll send you to school we'll give you a college education man you'll have a good job you'll be respected look at that uniform you will look sharp in that uniform you can have medals on that uniform people are going to envy you I mean it's all about you 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 and then as soon as you sign that paper, everything changes. Isn't that right? I mean, you, they don't even care your name. I mean, you're a number basically to them. And I mean, the minute you get there on that bus or however you get there, they are yelling at you and screaming at you and you know calling you names. And you're thinking, I don't even know this guy. Right? I didn't do anything to him. And he is blasting me for no reason. Why? Because it's not about you anymore. Now you've got to shape up be a soldier because now your job is to protect those that are not okay. Your job is to reach out and touch lives and to help the people because before you were saved it's about you. Now that you're saved you're dead and it's not about you anymore. Now it's about those out there that if they die they don't go to be with Jesus. You see how different the situation is? So now that's why that's what the Spirit of God when He comes in you the early days of Pentecost put that fire in people. One of the things that early on what they said was they said it about every major movement and one of the things I've noticed about movements is they hardly ever call themselves denominations even after they become one. Right? And they said they said it about the Wesleys they said it about the Assemblies of God they said in the early days of Methodism one thing was sure every town, village, and Hamlet that you would go to it would have a Methodist church there. And then, after about 1914, during the early years of Pentecost, they said, no matter where you go, no matter how small, you'll find an Assembly of God church there. Why? Because they were on fire. They They had a distinctive of the baptism of the Spirit. And that has to become our distinctive. That we can say, we are people in whom God inhabits. Well, how do we become a habitation of God? Through the Spirit. You understand? He will put that, if you have that spirit in you, it puts the the desire to reach and to touch and to bless. Now there's growth. But the growth should be leading you toward conforming to the image of Christ who laid down his own life, who was king of glory and humbled himself as a servant to come and live and live as a servant and die. So that we could inherit the benefits of the kingdom and of the Spirit of God. Amen? This is the essence. Now, Charles Finney used to say, and Charles Finney was really big on the law, so I'm not going to quote him a whole lot. But I'll tell you this. He used to say that the essence of Christianity, and the way you can tell if you're a Christian or not, is that the very characteristic that shows you're a Christian is selflessness. He said, as long as you are selfish, you're not born again. Isn't that amazing? But he said, that's what Christianity does, is it kills self. So that Christ can live through you. But yet, many times, in the church world today, we hear too much about Come down front and God will bless your life. Come down front God will change your life. All that's true. But we need to sometimes stop and realize that we can come down front and accept Jesus and His Spirit coming us. And it, it's... I don't want to say it's an easy thing, but I'm saying God has made it as very easy as He possibly could. And because of that, many times we tread it underfoot as something cheap and not worth much. And we need to realize that our ability to walk in grace was provided by a sacrifice. And it wasn't enough. Jesus didn't say, "All right, boys, you're born again, hit the streets, let's go. He said, no, 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 no. Wait. Until you get the promise of my Father. Which is that Spirit. Get that Spirit. Don't do it without the Spirit. Get the Spirit in you. And that's what he kept emphasizing. Wait. Why? Because with that spirit, come an ability that they did not have before. Many times people realize, I tried this; it didn't work. I tried that, and I tell you, get filled with the Spirit, speaking to yourselves, Psalms, hymns, spiritual songs. People say a lot of times because I'm always going, and they'll ask me, "How do you, how do you stay up? How do you stay going?" To be very honest, it's really pretty easy. I live in this book. That's what I told him this morning. You gotta fall in love with this book. You understand? This has to be more than life to you. When the things on these pages are more real to you than the thing on that doctor's report, then the the next doctor's report will change to meet this book. So you have to decide whose report you're going to believe. Do you understand? This has to be more real. This has to be more vital to you. You know? If, I've always heard people say, "Well, if you..." Go in, you know. If your house was on fire, what would you grab? And people say, oh, I'd grab photos, or I'd grab a safe box, or something like that. Now, I'd grab my Bible with the notes. You know, when I've gone in and made notes, and I said, I've got Bibles that I use. This isn't one of them. This is apparently a new one, but it's small and handy, easier to carry on trips. But man, you grab the notes that when you're reading, the Spirit of God quickens things to you and reveals things to you, and you make those notes. Those are priceless. You know, those pictures, yeah, they're, but they're still here. Yeah, they're they're good, they're important. But those pictures won't change lives. Those pictures won't heal cancer. Do you understand? You say, well, yeah, but you could get another Bible. Yeah, but you're not getting the idea. The idea is the word that I have, the Bible that I have, It is. it means more, why? Because the notes I put in there means that this word and my spirit have joined together. You want to know what? It's real simple. You want to know what revelation is? It's whenever this word joins to your spirit. That's all it is. It's a, it's a divine chemical reaction. But you know what? If you don't spend time in it, it won't happen. And you'll always be looking for somebody. You'll be looking for the next gimmick. The next fad. The next thing to come down the pike. You'll be looking, waiting for the next highly anointed person to lay hands on you. And then you have to wait for the next event. Your life as a Christian shouldn't be an event. It should be a lifestyle. Amen? I'm not saying there's not events in it. But when we come together, it shouldn't be, we, we shouldn't necessarily come together because we have such great need. We ought to be gathering together so that we can say, yeah, guess what? I got a co-worker saved at work last week. Oh, awesome. And we start sharing testimonies. Yeah, I got somebody baptized in the Holy Ghost. Glory to God. You know, got somebody healed got somebody delivered that's the, the life changing power of this word through the spirit that indwells you you lay this book somewhere nothing's going to happen for there to be any impact of the spirit of God in this world this book has to join with your spirit and with the spirit of God to cause a divine chemical reaction in the lives of other people amen it's not magic this stuff is extremely... If it was magic, you'd never know what to expect. You know? But it's not magic. It is so simple. And you already know that. If you told somebody, how do you get somebody born again? Well, okay, they got to, you know, repent, confess. Okay, accept Jesus as Lord. Confess Jesus as Lord. If you do that, you'll be saved. Are you sure? Yep, absolutely. So if they truly turn around, or you know, however you want to word it, and they truly confess Jesus as Lord, will they get saved? Yeah. So... You mean, you don't even have to ask God? He said, well, no, of course not. God's, God's the one that said it. if they confess Jesus as Lord, they'll be saved. What, do you see how mechanical that is? All you got to do is meet the condition. Make Jesus Lord. Truly confess Him as Lord. Isn't that right? That's pretty simple. Well, He said the same thing about your healing. Same thing. They were both bought and purchased at the same time. Right? He said the same thing about your deliverance. You know, we've got a young man right now in, in the States awesome young man this man you, you know you want to tell stories about how bad people can be this guy was bad I mean I've heard testimonies alright of other people and him he got to where his family kicked him out he lived at. he found a shack out in the forest area nobody owned it or at least nobody was there he moved into it because he had no place to live this was up in the northern United States. There was snow on the ground. He went in, started living there. Would have to go out and cut wood to build a fire. No electricity. Had to go out and chip ice in the river to bring it in to melt it so that he could have drinking water. That's how he lived. This was normal, and it was on just on the outskirts of town. This wasn't way out. It's just on the outskirts of town. And then some other. Actually, he was a. Uh, well, he was a drug dealer, not just a user, a drug dealer, and he was well known. And he had other drug users and other dealers living with him in that house. I mean, it was it was a bad situation. And then, one day he was working with his dad who had been to one of our DHTs and had got the CDs. And they were working together and his dad put that DHT on and started playing it. And this guy didn't want to hear it. He wasn't born again. He didn't want to have nothing to do with it. And... His dad would play it while they worked together. And after, I don't even think it was a couple of weeks, he was listening to it and got born again. Heard the message of grace, of freedom in Christ Jesus and was instantly delivered of all his alcohol, all his drugs, everything. Right now, he's worked with us in Texas. Right now, he's in Cincinnati, Ohio. And he is all he does now Teen Challenge has contacted him and said you are having such great results at getting people free from drugs come teach us how you're doing it so now all he does is travel around the country and set up rehabs but he doesn't go in and teach them a 12 step system he goes in and ministers by the spirit of grace and sets them free it is amazing I mean you look at how I haven't found a way yet that the message that we preach doesn't work somewhere. In every, in every area. Every area. Whether it's deliverance, whether it's you know, freedom from the past, whether it's healing, whether it's finances, any, it works everywhere. That's one of the things that proves it's the gospel. Because it'll work anywhere. And on every case. It'll work on your case. Amen? It's been amazing what we've seen with this. And so, he, and he didn't go in and blast people and, you know, and it's just, he just sets them free. And when I called him one time, I talked to him, he said, yeah, we're just, he, I said, because I didn't know exactly how he was doing it when we were talking. And he said, which was simple. He said, all he did was take all the principles out of the DHT and apply them to drugs. He said, you talk about sickness or disease, we talk about drugs. And that's what he started doing. And it was amazing. He said, We minister to them the same way. He said, But he said, like you said, though, there's a difference between getting free and discipleship. He said, We get them free, but then we have to disciple them, and they have to have their mind renewed. Because if you don't have your mind renewed, you'll go right back. You'll go right back. It's just like anything. Homosexuals, set them free, then they have to have their mind renewed, or they'll go right back. People say, Well, they weren't really free. Yes, they were. And the problem is, most people don't want to have anything to do with people that have problems. So, they just kind of throw them out there and say, well, I hope you make it. And when they don't make it, and they go back to people that embrace them, then we look at them and go, well, they weren't serious. No, you weren't serious about discipling them. Because discipleship means getting your hands dirty. It means dealing with people. It means getting phone calls in the middle of the night when someone is puking their guts out because they had a fall somewhere. And you've got to go pick them up at a motel room. Or you've got to go pick them up somewhere and, and help them bring them back to your house. And clean them up. And not condemn them. But to offer them the grace of Jesus. And just like the times you fell and God received you back, you received them back. And you just keep discipling keep going. Amen? Amen. This is the grace of God. Now, But if you have the Spirit of God, then you have the desire... To reach out and touch lives. It's not what you got to do, it's what you get to do. It is awesome. So, now, very quickly here, I've got maybe, let's do another five minutes, yeah, we're good. I actually got about another 10, 15 minutes. So, I can preach another whole sermon in that one. So, but I I wanted to, if you came tonight and you have any problem, sickness, disease, You know, alcoholism, drug addictions, uh, bondages. Any? Okay, let me put it this way: If how you are right now would not fit in in heaven, we have an answer for you. Amen. There's freedom. There's deliverance. There is change for you, right? Not going to be any sickness or disease in heaven. No alcoholism. No addictions. No bondages. It's going to be. You're going to be free. Isn't that right? Isn't that the way it is in heaven? Thy kingdom come Thy will be done On earth As it is in heaven Our whole job Is just go around this life And look at every situation We go into And if it doesn't look like heaven Fix it till it does Real simple Well what's God's will In this situation Make it look like heaven Real easy Anyway? Well how do I know When to stop When it looks like heaven How many times do I pray Whenever the last time you pray They look like heaven Isn't that easy you don't have to get religious on it but you do have to be Christian of Christ of his spirit amen so even now while I've been speaking the Bible says that God sent his word and healed him we know that that is referring primarily to Jesus and he did come and did heal and he said it is finished right? and then in First Peter 2.24 it says that by his stripes ye were healed so it's past tense greatest revelation I ever got was the past tense of the Bible greatest revelation because I realized you know everything's done so why am I living in the situation I am when it's already done people say well what do you do about it start living like it's not you know like, it, like you're not in that same situation start living like it's done start acting like it's done start talking like it's done when you talk like something's done when it doesn't look like it's done that's called calling those things which be not as though they were that's Romans 4 right so you just live it walk it talk it gets, and it gets fun Right? what's really fun is when you start watching religious people's uh, reactions to it right? when you start calling those things to be not as though they were oh religious people get upset you know? they, they really get upset because you actually believe the Bible means what it says whenever they believe rituals, rules, regulations right see there's a lot of changes the church is going to have to make so even while I've been speaking the Spirit of God has been working. He's been working in your life, right? He was working on you before you got here. He's been dealing with you and doing different things and even trying to get you healed and trying to get things to work through in your life. But as I've been speaking, the Spirit of God has been working. You know, it's almost as if it was a, you have these chains on you and the Holy Spirit's been sitting there with a lockpick set just trying to get that combination so those chains just fall off, Right? And he's been working on it the whole time I've been talking. Matter of fact, many of you have already had chains fall off you and you don't even know it yet. You won't know it until you get up and start moving around. You get up and you start, oh, that feels different. That's strange. Nobody even prayed for me. That's good. Like I was saying this morning, my goal is not to see how many people I can lay hands on. My goal is to see how many people I can get to grow into union with Christ so I don't have to lay hands on them because I'd rather you have a union with Christ than try to use me as a mediator there's one mediator Jesus Christ amen that's what this whole thing is about is your union with Christ we have peace with God through the blood of Jesus Christ peace that means there's no problems with God that means if you got problems it's not with God that means that you can attack your problems Now, if your problems was God I wouldn't advise you to, to, to attack them right but if your problems aren't God guess what you can attack Right? And God's behind you. Isn't that good news? This thing is so... God has given Jesus a name above every name. Okay? So if you can name it, Jesus' name is above it, and it's got to bow its knee. Isn't that simple? You say, but you know, I don't know enough. You don't have to. I'm I'm not putting a premium on ignorance. Okay? because like I said you should fall in love with this book you ought to know this book let me tell you you should get to where you don't need this book to be able to quote it see when a problem comes if you've got to say oh, let's see, see no, let me, let me. well okay give me a concordance so I can find a scripture to matches. no you need to have this in you before the problem gets there see it's kind of like Teflon on a pan you know what I'm talking about see you don't put the food in and then spray the Teflon on the pan Right? You spray the Teflon so the food don't stick. The Teflon's on before the food gets there. Right? The word needs to be in you before the problem gets there. If you do, it won't stick. It may come, but it won't stick. And nothing shall by any means hurt you. No weapon formed against you will prosper. Are there going to be weapons formed against you? Yeah. But they won't prosper. Why? Teflon. Right off. Right? 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 Let them stick to the next guy that doesn't have Teflon. No, no, no. Okay. okay. <laughs> All right? So even now, see, God's Spirit, if I can stand in a field and command healing and literally thousands of people get healed, why does that only happen in open field crusades? Why can't it happen here? Amen? And that way you can go out talking about Jesus and how good He is. Instead of saying, Yeah, Curry Blake laid hands on me. Now, understand, Paul said, Follow me as I follow Christ. So I understand, okay. But we can't go out of here talking about Curry Blake, John Lake, or any of that other stuff. Right? I didn't come here in my name. My name doesn't mean nothing. Right? In some places you go, you're better off not using my name. Okay? (laughs) Just word for the wise. Okay. All that counts is the name of Jesus. That's all. That's why when I lay hands on you, it's in His name. Why? Because my name has nothing behind it to back it up. But His name does. Now, if I could fast enough, pray enough, live good enough to where it could give me power, then I could go in my name. Because I did those things to get that power and I could go in my name. But since I can't, and since the more of that I try to do to build up my name or try to get power for me, I'm building my own righteousness, which actually stinks before God. And actually takes me further from God rather than closer to Him, then I have learned just to forget that part, use the name of Jesus, and it's what He did that counts. Not what I've done, what He's done. Amen? It's much better because if I had authority, who knows how much it would be. But if I go in the name of Jesus, it's His authority. I know how much He has all. Amen? So, why don't you just decide to be free? Doesn't that sound good? Let's just decide to be free. Amen? Amen. Let's all pray. You can stay seated in a second. I'll get you up in a second. But let's pray. Father, Father, we bless you in Jesus' name right now. Lord, I thank you. I have spoken your word. I have people sitting under the sound of my voice. And Father, I have spoken your word straight from the scriptures. So therefore, My words are spirit and they are life because they're yours. So, in Jesus' name, right now, as I've been speaking, Lord, you've been working by your spirit to set people free. And even now, in Jesus' name, I declare, decree, and speak and say, be free in Jesus' name. Be healed, be delivered. I am here to tell you by the authority of the name of Jesus, that name above every name, that I grant your freedom, I declare you free, and I loose you now in Jesus' name. Right now, sickness and disease, you will hear and obey the voice of the word of God. You will go from these people, you will not remain, every symptom will go. Right now, in Jesus' name, I commend you, go now, in the name of Jesus. Freedom. Bodies change. Right now. Life, health, strength, even prosperity, needs met, marriages brought back together, hearts softened, Hearts turned toward God even now. Those of you that are, have, maybe you've never known Jesus. Maybe you have no clue about what I've been talking about. I'm telling you now, if you will just turn to Jesus, make Him your Lord, your life will be different. Because you will die. And Jesus' life will be lived through you. And nothing shall by any means hurt you. If that is you, then right now make that decision. Make that decision to change right now. To give your life to God totally and completely. And He, I guarantee you, what He will do with it will amaze you. Right now if you have been, as we would say, backslid. Or maybe you've just grown a little bit cold. Maybe you're not where you need to be. And you know that. Maybe you've not been living even the way you know that you desire to live and the way God would desire you to live. Right now, don't wait. Just make the change. Make a decision. It's just a decision, a choice away. You say, but you don't understand. I know I'll go back and do it again. No, you don't understand. There's nothing that says you have to. You watch. The Spirit of God can protect and keep what you give to Him. So even now, make the decision. Choose now. Turn back to God. Come back to God. Recommit your life to Him. If you have been, even while I've been praying, if you've made that decision, then I want you to decide again in just a moment. You're going to come down front. You say, well, why i got to come down front? Because we want to talk with you. We want to pray with you. We want to congratulate you. And to be very honest with you, Jesus hung nakedly, naked on a cross openly for you and if he can do that for you you can walk down front and openly confess him so be thinking about that in just a minute we're going to have you come down if you have been sick in your body that's as much a work of the devil as sin in a backslid person or in a person that doesn't even know Christ it's all the work of the devil and Jesus defeated it all so right now in Jesus name Sickness and disease, you will go. You will not remain. I lose these people and I set them free. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Alright, let's all stand up. If you would take away the idea and the religious trappings that we have associated with Christianity that you can't find in the Bible and just realize that all Christianity is is God making available a union between man and himself. And because of that, there is a shared the way I usually think of it, it's almost like fiber optics. You know, fiber optics, you can have information going both ways at the same time. That's the way the Spirit of God is. The Spirit of God can flow into you and by your own Spirit can flow back to God the things you need, the desires, and there's constant communication, constant presence. If you've not experienced that, it's not a high and exalted thing. It's the norm. It's what Christianity is supposed to be. Like I was saying this morning, faith is natural for a Christian. Faith isn't hard for a Christian. If you're struggling with faith, you might want to check to make sure you're born again. To be I'm not saying there are not rough situations, but it's natural to trust God spiritually. You understand? Spiritually natural, not natural. Natural. Okay. Does that make sense to you? That is who you are. It's natural for, a, for you to be spiritual. It's natural for you to lay hands on the sick and the power of God to flow through you. It's natural. That's the way it's supposed to be. If you have not experienced that, I, I could go through these things and teach you different ways for people to get healed, but very simply, it all comes down to Romans 8. That if that same Spirit that raised Christ Jesus from the dead dwells in you, He will quicken, make alive, heal your mortal body, Amen. That's the best type of healing for a Christian. And if you can get a hold of this, you, if all you're doing is letting the Spirit of God, if you're sick in your body, all you're doing is letting the Spirit of God flow out of your spirit into your flesh. Isn't that what we're doing when we're laying hands? We're letting the Spirit of God flow through our spirits into their spirit and into their flesh. Well, if you can do it for others, guess what? You can do it for yourself. So all you have to do is allow that Spirit. It's not even making it do it. Because believe me, you really can't make the Spirit do anything. Okay? He's bigger than you. Alright? But if you yield to Him, He will do that. He will fill your flesh. He wants to fill your flesh with His life. So, right now, if that is you, and you still have sickness or disease in your body, just... Purpose. Just say, I allow you, Holy Spirit, to flow into my flesh and heal my body. That's you, as a mature Christian, that's the that is healing for mature Christians. It's very simple. So just allow it to happen. Spend some time in the presence of God of just allow just know He's with you and let Him fill you. He's filled your spirit, now let Him fill your mind and let your soul and let Him fill your your flesh. Amen? If you now think about this, the Bible talks about c- how Jesus condemned sin in the flesh. Right? It says it in Hebrews. He condemned sin in the flesh. Well, if the flesh can have sin in it, guess what else it can have in it? Righteousness. Right? Because you were sin, but now you're righteous. And if your flesh had sin, see, your spirit is righteous and your flesh sinful. Nope. It can all go in. The spirit should flow into the flesh. And righteousness should flow out of you. Amen? So, now, if you—if I called a while ago and I said, if you're not saved and you want to know Jesus as your Lord, and you made that commitment to know Him as Lord, then I want you to come down front right now, real quick. This ain't going to take long. So if you were not born again and you want to be born again or have been born again while I'm talking, come down front right now. Right now, quick, quick. Okay? I'm fixing to close that part out. Okay? Number two if you were away from God in some degree and while I was praying you made a recommitment to God and said I need to get right I need to do right I'm going to live right I'm going to turn to God and you have done that I want you to come down front right come down come right now real quick anybody anybody quick quick good there you go amen anybody else anybody else quick quick now this is not anything you know this is normal this is kingdom business I I thought I was going to see a miracle. You are. Sorry, you can't see it. Right? There you go. Now, if you also have been diagnosed with, with what doctors or man would call terminal or something that is chronic in the sense that they've told you you're going to have to live with this the rest of your life, then something physical or something along those lines or I guess it could also be mental because God can touch any part of your life, then I want you to come down front. And if you will, come down and just stand right behind them. Right? Just stand right behind them. Come right on down. There you go. Just stand right behind them. Anybody else? Good, good. Now, how many people do we have here that has been through our Divine Healing Technician training? Good, good. Okay. How many of you are practicing it? You know, you're, you're doing it on a regular basis. You're, you're praying for people. Okay. Those of you who still have your hands up, I want you to come down front. Right? And just stand behind the people, behind the last line there. Okay? Matter of fact, y'all may need to move forward a little bit. It's getting kind of crowded there. Yeah. All right. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to do three things, and since we are all part of the same family, we're going to all say this together. Right? And say, well, that part don't apply to me. Believe me, it won't hurt you. All right, it won't hurt you. So you can say it. So first off, we're gonna do what we did before. We're gonna say just say this after me. Those of you that are still out there, you can repeat this with us. All right, because you've had to do the same thing at some point. So everybody together, you lift your voices and you say this after me. Say, Father, Father in, Jesus name, in Jesus name, I recognize, I recognize that, I you, that I needed you, and I came forward, and I, came forward. And I give myself. To you. And I, to you. I, make Jesus my Lord. I make Jesus my Lord. I accept His life. I accept his life. And, I give him mine. and I give Him mine. So right now, so right now I'm, forgiven. I'm forgiven. I'm cleansed. I'm, I'm, different. I'm different. Right now, right now. I, am I am born again. In Jesus' name. In Jesus name. I, receive it, I receive it. And I will walk in it. Amen. Amen. Number two. Repeat this with me. Though I may have been, I may have been backslid, backslid cold, cold, withdrawn from God, withdrawn from God now, now I, recommit I recommit my life, my, life, my spirit, my, spirit my, soul, my soul, and my body, and my body. To, God, to God to be all that He intended me to be. I will, I will follow, him follow Him in all His ways. In all his ways. I, will I will obey, him. obey him. I will love him. I will love Him. And I will love my fellow man. My fellow man. In Jesus' name. In Jesus name. Amen. Amen. Now, those of you that are, have some type of sickness or illness right now, everybody, repeat this after me. Father, Father I, thank you I thank You that Jesus... Bore my sickness and disease. disease. He bore it at the whipping post, post. and by His stripes stripes, I am healed. healed. Right now, now. tonight, 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 I thank you, you. and And I say, I I am healed. healed. I'm delivered. I'm set free. I am made whole. whole. By By the stripes of Jesus and relying upon His righteousness, I receive, I receive wholeness in Jesus' name. In Jesus name. Healed, by his healed by His stripes. And through that name, through that name I have freedom. I freedom. Right now. Right now. In, Jesus name. in Jesus' name. I'm healed. I'm, healed. I'm free. I'm, free. I'm, I'm, delivered. I'm delivered. I will, I will. walk, walk. In, newness of life. in newness of life. Spirit, soul, and body, Spirit, soul, and body. in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Now, those of you, and I will lay hands on you also, but begin to do what you could not do before. Check it out. Check out what's going on. All right. Now, as you notice something different, you might just want to raise your hand and let us know what's going on. And while you're checking yourselves out, I want to do one more thing. We've been talking about the baptism of the Spirit. If you have not received the baptism of the Spirit, the fullness of the Spirit, and you would like to do so, then I would urge you to. And I would like to pray with you now for you to receive. Jesus said that the Father will gladly give and greatly give the Spirit to whoever asks Him. Amen? Amen. So we want to right now just ask Him. And you say, well, I've already received the Spirit. Alright, don't you think you could receive a little bit more? Don't you think you could receive a little more fullness of the Spirit of God? Right? Don't you think that you could look a little more like Jesus? Amen? So that's what we're going to pray for. Alright? So right now, Father, just repeat this happen. Say, Father, I thank you. And I believe Your Word. You said that if I ask that You will give me the Holy Spirit. You won't give me something else. You will give me what I ask for. And I ask for that Holy Spirit. In fullness right now. Father, baptize me in the Holy Ghost. Jesus Jesus I receive it right now of Your fullness. And right now, I allow Your Spirit to overflow me, to fill me, to change me. In Jesus' name. Now Father, Your Son Jesus said that after the Holy Ghost comes upon me, I shall receive power miraculous ability to be witnesses witnesses. so So, I believe believe that I've asked asked. I believe that you have given I believe I have received received. so right now now, I thank you you for miraculous ability ability. and I will be be by your spirit spirit, a witness witness of Jesus Christ in fullness of power. In, fullness of power. In, Jesus name. in Jesus' name. So right now, let's begin to worship and praise Him. If you pray in other tongues, begin to do so. Those of you that have just asked for the Holy Spirit, all you need to do is open your mouth and allow the Holy Spirit to fill it. And you will hear sounds coming out of your mouth. You will hear another language coming out. Alright? Now, you can pray quietly or you can get loud and stronger. So we want to build up a little bit. So let's get a little bit stronger. Get a little bit louder. There you go. Put out a little force right now. Hallelujah. Right there. There you go. Get stronger, stronger, stronger. There you go. And let's worship Him in the Spirit and in truth. We'll worship Him in tongues right now in Jesus' name. Father, I thank You for these people. That You filled them with Your Spirit. By Your Holy Spirit, Lord, You will change lives, change bodies, change minds in Jesus' name. Holy Spirit, right now, fall upon them. In a way, Lord, that they have never experienced before. Let them be witnesses with power to set the captives free in Jesus' name. Right now. Right now. Right now. In Jesus' name. We command it to be so. Freedom. 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 In Jesus' name. Right now. Right now. Hallelujah. There you go. There you go. Good, 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 good. Strong. That's it.